There we go. Not quite sure what happened there. Hello, everybody. Andy Evans here, of course. Joining me, as always, is my tag team partner. Uh, he was all in this weekend. I was all in this weekend, and I'm now totally all knackered. Uh, this is the Square Circle Podcast. Andy Evans, Sam Mellows. Uh, we are back from a very <clears throat> busy Wembley Stadium on Sunday. And if you want to know more about what we got up to, then uh, stay tuned because we'll give you more information about exactly what Road Agents was all about and how that seems to be blowing up YouTube. So we'll talk more about that. Sam, how are you feeling, my friend? Yeah, I'm feeling really, really good. Uh, as you guys can hear, <laughs> I went all in and all out and all shake it all about in that in the stadium. Uh, so my voice is not at full capacity yet. It's not quite like the capacity of uh, Wembley Stadium on Sunday night. Um, I'm still buzzing. I've still got goosebumps thinking about it. But yeah, I'm ready for a good show. Yeah. Well, let's tell you how this week is going to work because we felt it was too big to do everything in one show. So if you consider the fact that we've got all in, all out, and we got a payback, um, to do that in one show was going to be too big. So we're going to split the show into two. Today, in this edition, we're going to be doing Road to Five Star, which is going to be all about All In and giving you some of the, um, <clears throat> you know, the, uh, the, the, the punch-ups that took place backstage at Wembley Arena. And I want to get onto that because that just reminds me of something that will be so funny to talk about in just a second. Then later this week, Sam and I will be back this time doing the normal show. So we'll be doing a uh, news round. We'll be looking at event center for both all out and for payback. I'm really concerned about all out pay-per-view because I don't know what they're going to do for it apart from what was announced at the media scrum. But saying that I'm also concerned for payback because they've done exactly the same thing as AEW and not really released much. Um, so that's how this week is going to work. So today is purely all in. We're going to be going through each match. We're going to be just talking about it. We're not going to be giving you play by play. We are going to update the prediction league as well. And someone's happy because they did better than me. Um, <clears throat> yeah, all right. And uh, we'll tell you where we are at the overall standings at the end. Uh, right. Samuel Mellows. Yes. Shall we do this? Shall we kick us off on the event center? However, before we do that, um, we do need to address one thing very quickly. Now, at the end of last week's show, uh, and I mean at the end of last week's show, it was literally about 10 minutes, we heard the news of the passing of the legend that was Terry Funk. And we did dedicate uh, last week's show at the top of that to terry um but then it got actually even worse uh because over the weekend the news broke courtesy of triple h and wwe that Wyndham rotunda also passed away at age 36. now we're not going to talk about this in much detail today this isn't the show to do that we will obviously discuss it on news round on thursday <clears throat> you know my voice was fine till we started doing this i think you're contagious um but i know sam we talked very in depth about this in the car and how we were going to play it on thursday because i know bray was was a hero to you it, he was an inspiration to you as well so we'll touch more on that um on behalf of sam and on behalf of all of us we just want to send our thoughts prayers and condolences to the friends and family 
of Wyndham Rotunda, uh, taken far too soon. He was only 36, father of four, um, a bona fide Hall of Famer, if there is one. I know people will kind of say yes or no to that, but he is a Hall of Famer. And in the next few weeks, uh, in the next four to six weeks, we are going to bring back an old segment called Legacy, and we're going to do a show dedicated to the career of Wyndham Rotunda, not just Bray Wyatt. We're going to be talking about Husky Harris. We're going to be talking about the Wyatt family. We're going to be talking about the Fiend. We're going to be talking about the family legacy, all the way back to Barry Wyndham and Mike Rotunda and Bo Dallas. And we want you to be involved in that and more details on that in the coming weeks. But that will be a big legacy. Um, we're also going to reach out to Mike from Maguire on Wrestling. Jeremy, Lee, anyone who wants to be involved in this can become a part of what we're calling the legacy of the Wyatt. And that is going to be the show in about four to six weeks. Um, but yeah, our thoughts and prayers and condolences go out to the friends and family of Wyndham Rotunda. Anything you want to add to that, Sam, before we, we kick off? Yeah, obviously we'll talk about it more uh, on Newsround and we'll also talk a bit more about legacy. Um, I can deeply say for myself, as I put on, on Twitter, um, not a death in wrestling has hurt this hard. Um, and that's why we, we, when we're discussing in the car about how we're going to play it, we have decided where we're going to do the legacy show because we feel like we should give him a whole show, give the legacy of Wyndham a whole show. Um, so I don't want to go too much now because I'd, I'd, I'd feel like I'd give more respect being able to give it a good hour, hour and a half talking about the incredible man and his also legacy and his, his family. So, yeah. All right, well, let, let's switch gears. Let's go a little bit more fun and upbeat. We had to address it, and we will talk more about it on Thursday. But this now is Road to Five Star. All right. So um, a small wrestling event took place on, on Sunday. I don't know if anybody's heard about it. It, it was called All In. Uh, it took place in a little re venue, a little restaurant, I was going to say, <laughs> a little venue uh, called Wembley Stadium. And if you want to know more about our journey up to Wembley, then you can do because All In Road Agents is now available on YouTube. Um, forget what I said in the video, because if you watch it, I turn around and went, uh, well, if you, if you want to know our reactions, you've already listened to it because we'd have done the show before it came out. Uh, yeah, I swapped that around and I released it last night before doing the show tonight because why not? And I want to give a massive, massive shout out to everybody who took part in Road Agents. And we spoke to about nine or 10 people during that in, in groups. Uh, you know, uh, Luke from Northern Ireland, we had Connor uh, who had the AEW World Championship around his waist, which was a great lad. We had a couple of guys from Leeds. It was just a really cool environment. And before we move into the thing, what was the biggest takeaway for you about All In? You know, the, the whole atmosphere before we even got into the venue? Uh, before we got into the venue, um, so we parked about an eight-minute walk away from the stadium, and you could hear the buzz from the car. Got out of the car to help. Oh yeah! And I could hear the noise already as we were getting closer and closer and closer and closer. The noise was getting louder, and it wasn't of like Rrr! it was of people talking about their favourite things about wrestling, having discussions, and we, as we walked through, handing out our flyers 
of people upon people discussing about their favourite moments in wrestling history or what's going to happen tonight or what's the latest on Twitter or, or sorry, I said X or on Instagram. It was just so lush to be able to walk through and hear all those things. And like one of the other things that really got me about how amazing that was, was seeing the different choices of wrestling t-shirts. Um, um, you went from about 10 people with AEW t-shirts to two people with Impact t-shirts, two people with New Japan t-shirts, and then you go a good five-minute stretch of people just in WWE t-shirts. It was just so, so, so lush to see all of that. And it was just the atmosphere. Like, you knew you were there as part of history. And I, I said it in my tweet that I'll talk about later on, but the memories started then. Well, for, for me and Andy, it started, to be fair, when we got in the car and we started the day on our road trip but the memories just happened then and then when we got to i call it the stretch that's in front of wembley that goes from the tube station past box park to wembley and you saw these people and we saw these guys and we interviewed them it was so lush to see these different you heard so many different languages you saw so many different abilities and like it was so accommodating as well and seeing people help other people like there was an area where there was no like drop down curb and these two guys were helping a gentleman who was in a wheelchair. Oh, I didn't see that. I didn't uh, see that. Yeah. It shows for me how we're one massive family to quote, um, to quote uh, Bray Wyatt, the whole world in his hand. It felt like a whole world in hand moment where we were all there. So, yeah. I was just about to say that. I mean, you know, you and I have been to wrestling shows throughout you know our lives and our wrestling fandom we you know, i'm not sure about yourself i've done a couple of wwe i've done a lot of impact um and this was the first aew show but this just had a totally different feel before you even got in there do you know what i mean and you know you you, you see the the wrestling t-shirts and i think i made a comment to you in the car about i'm not going to buy one because you know when can you actually wear a wrestling t-shirt again you know i'm 42 nearly i don't really want a picture of a better than you baby on on the front of my shirt but actually seeing the amount of shirts that were that were there like you said that were from different companies and different eras some of the cosplay i mean you had people dressed up as the macho man randy savage you had people dressed up as hulk hogan you, you had people big daddy oh the big daddy one was cool i wish i got a photo with him you know to even just chewing the fat while you're in the queue waiting to go into Wembley and hearing the conversations and people saying who are you here to see you know there was no I'm better than you there was no animosity it, it for once it just felt like sod everything that was going on in the world you know forget the war in Ukraine forget the cost of living crisis forget Donald Trump potentially being the next president of the US um, for once we were all just there soaking in the atmosphere realizing that this is a once in a lifetime opportunity forget the fact they're coming back next year because they'll do it again they'll sell it out again but there is never a first time and eighty-one thousand thirty-five people were in Wembley Stadium and were part of the first ever all in London, the first wrestling event in 31 years to be held at Wembley Stadium, regardless of WWE having talks about doing it. They pulled it off and kudos to Khan and to All Elite Wrestling because 
it was a gamble. It was a huge gamble to run Wembley Stadium, but they did it, and they did it in style. Now, you want to find out more about that, you can check out Road Agents. Like we said, we talk the interviews, there's screenshots all over the place. We've got photos of the entranceway of the concourse. The one, But just before we move on, the one thing that got me is you and I went to that all-you-can-eat buffet for lunch, right? Um, and I, I've been there before when I went to see Tenacious D at the arena. And it was busy, but it wasn't anything. I mean, everywhere, again, everywhere you looked, FTR t-shirts and wrestling fans and kids in makeup and stuff like that. It was, I think the staff are wondering what the hell was going on, but it was... No, no, no. A few of the staff were going themselves. Oh, were they? Yeah, because one of the, I, I've got to tell you this, uh, one of the best moments in that restaurant was the guy was serving out the different, like, topping up the different foods for us to be able to pick. And he placed down the new lot of pizza and a guy turned to him and went, oh, I bet you're bored of this, seeing all these wrestling fans. And he pulled up his work top to reveal that he had a better than you, baby. (laughs) And I literally, for me, we all cheered. That's why you may have had a cheer at one point. I didn't hear that. I wondered what was going on. Yeah, we all cheered. He he pulled up his top revealing that underneath his work top, he had a better than you, baby T-shirt. And he was going that night. Yeah, obviously you had to work still. I love that. Oh, it's, fantastic. It's I mean, that's just... Like that. It's the fact of, like, all, even the guys at the front desk we gave flyers to to give out to customers. And he said, yeah, of course. And I know how big that wodge was when we handed it to him going in. And I saw what the size of the wodge was when we were leaving. It was definitely more than half gone. So He didn't want to take any more, though. That was a shame. But um, He did have his boss any... <laughs> he did if anybody is listening or watching the show now and you saw us at Wembley and you t- Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Yeah, you, all your sound went. Hence why I did that because I was trying to do it subtly. Um, What's it sound like? Does it sound tinny? It sounds a teeny bit like how I sound. Can't do anything about it. My headset's packed up. Yeah, I, I, I had a guess. You were talking, and when you went to move the headset, it crackled. Right, hang on. Do you know where we got to? Um, we, I just said about the global buffet and about how that. Then what you, you said one thing. You went to go and say your next thing, and then it went out. 
We are you said about the um he wouldn't take any more flyers. Yeah. And then yes, yeah, so you said he wouldn't take any more flyers, and then boom, it went silent. You you could I could see your lips moving, but I could hear nothing. Right. Okay. Audio. Okay, can you hear me on that? You're going in and out. Oh, for the love of God. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Is it all right? Yeah, you can't hear the dogs bark in the background, can you? That's not my dogs, it's someone else's. No, I can't Crap. hear anything. Can, can you hear the builders in the background? No. Good. Am I coming across better than just a few seconds ago? Yeah, you are. All right, yeah, here we go. Not... Take... What? Take, take two. Right. Okay. Um, so you're not going to know about this, but there is a technical problem. We've had a technical problem. Um, you didn't hear anything that I was just saying for the last 10 minutes, which was pretty good because I was swearing quite a lot after Sam told me you couldn't hear what I was saying. But I don't know what I was saying. So we'll just carry on with something else. Oh, yes, that's right. Zero hour. Um, I, I did hear the cheer in the thing, but I didn't. You didn't tell me that. Why didn't you tell me that? That would have been quite I was all in the motion. <laughs> I just realised that I couldn't eat all of my dinner. And I was like really embarrassed about that. It was like, there was loads left. My, I wasn't hungry though. Anyway, uh, one, the one thing... You, you were so busy with the drive. Like I, 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 say, I, said, I said to you guys on the, um, the vlog, I'll say it again. If you want a journey and you want it safe, go, to, go with Andy Evans. Oh. Literally, I mean it because I felt safe. I was, I normally have to keep an eye on the road when I'm in anyone's car. So many times we were just talking about wrestling, talking about TV, talking about life. I completely went, oh, oh wow, it's we've gone half an hour on the journey. Like you lose track for that reason. So, yeah, um, big kudos. But watch our journey on All In uh, London trip by a road agents it was incredible and it's fully worth a while to watch because you get a little insight about how our journey goes so yeah please watch it yeah even if you did want to jump out of the car six times on the m3 but we'll talk more about that later um let's start tracking about the show now because we, we've obviously had some tech issues which we need to run so i've got no idea how long we're running for um the one thing that got me when we walked into wembley and we actually got in through the stadium was was one how well that was organized right i mean that was smooth as anything to to get you in from the queuing in the purple zone right the way into um to your actual seats i know you want to give a big shout out and we'll talk about that in just a second um to to the charity we'll talk about that in, in a moment um but what got me was when you walked into the arena and it was empty and then within a second within a moment you could just see people coming in and then you just, you blinked. And the next thing you know, it's full. And then you blink again and there's more people and there's more people and there's more people. And the sea of humanity that was in Wembley Stadium was just, I've never seen a sight like it where I've actually been there. But the only thing that really got to me was the fact that they did zero hours, two hours. And they could have they could have aired zero hour for the crowd that was in Wembley. They could have done it on the big screens. You could have you know you could have seen the the, the narrative with Renee Young, uh, Renee Paquette, sorry, in the big show and Anthony Agogo and Kip Sabian. That could have added something just to the atmosphere that you were because 
you know, you, you've been a promoter, you've been involved in the business, I've been involved in the business. There is that disconnect when you're watching it and there's no commentary. And, and oh, I yeah. didn't really, I, and I never really thought too much about it. But watching some of these matches, you were like, how is this coming across on TV? I want to know what they're saying. I want to see the reaction. I want to know what happens when Jack Perry drops somebody into a, a into a car windscreen, windshield and the comment, which we'll talk about. So you miss something there, but that's part of a wrestling show. But I think with Zero Hour, to get the crowd going even more than what they were, they could have played that on the screens. And that would just given you some atmosphere. I, d I don't know what your take is, but that was my only negative was that. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I completely agree. Uh, for me, actually, it was one of only two negatives about the whole day and uh, pay-per-view and show all, in all was the fact that we can hear what Zero Hour was going, uh, what was on about. Because... The whole contract signing, we were a bit like we we were sat there and we we had really quite good seats and that and we we saw all oh, the setting up a table. Wonder what that is, and Andy goes, oh, I wonder if there's a contract signing for tonight or for next week. And then you looked at it more, and I and I was like, well, who's that? And it was Powerhouse Hobbs. There was no music for his entrance, which I thought was gutting. Like you could have given him a massive like entrance about it. All these different facts, and I was a bit like, oh, okay. But because we didn't see that on the big screen, if we saw that on the big screen, hear it, by golly, we would have all gone, oh, all right, yeah, yeah, cool, it's right now. But another thing I found with the whole you us going in, see, uh, if you watch Road Agents, I do my all in, baby, that I do when we first go in. And then I, I pressed stop on the recording and I finally turned around and full-on looked at the stadium. The goosebumps had goosebumps. Yeah. And I... I remember we, me and Andy, as we're walking up to our seats, went, oh, my God. And like you said, Andy, the whole factor of just people started coming and coming and coming. For me, it was like having what's it called, like ants going after honey or something. It was the, the, the literally just suddenly came past. And I'd love to watch that moment where all the people came to their seats via like um, time lapse because it would have been beautiful. And it was really interesting because you could you seeing different things like you suddenly see oh there's a big group joined there oh you can see that guy in costume you can see this you can see that and it was for a good 10 20 minutes you were doing that however then when it came to the zero hour it kicked off and we were like oh that's only supposed to be starting then well it's already started and it just it was very it felt like it was two separate things so well i i i saw a tweet that went out by the guys at wrestle talk who, who were it who were there they were at media row they were actually they were part of the media scrum and the tweet went well that was an un unexpected unannounced segment and it was but it was just like you've got the guys there you've got Renee Paquette she's in one of the the media boxes you've got Kip Sabian you've got the cameras you're broadcasting it out live on YouTube you're linking it in when they were doing this the segment with um Powerhouse Hobbs and Miro Jarrett Grado and and Paul White on the view screens, on the monitors, you actually had all of the zero hour branding with the countdown clock and everything like that. So yeah. you could seriously have patched it in. That was my only negative about the whole thing was my only negative about that. Now, the only other thing that I want to touch on, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more uh, throughout the show, is the fact that um, the entranceway, the, the set. So... A lot of people have turned around and said, you're calling this WrestleMania. You're saying this is the biggest thing in history. Your set sucked. 
I didn't think it did. I, I honestly thought you don't need to have a big bugger off set like the WWE. I thought it was minimalistic. It was it was what they needed. Your, your attention was on the in-ring action, not on who was coming out with or how big the set was. And they could have done the whole thing, like the big Titantrons, like Collision and, and everything else. But it wouldn't have added anything, in my view. I thought right. this was just how they needed it to be. Yeah, completely agree. Obviously, we were where we were sat, we were sat behind it, so we couldn't see it front on. We could only see it when it came up on the Titantrons, or um, when we were for a moment when we were sat up where we were sat. We I went onto YouTube to be able to watch to see what it looked like from YouTube. From um, and it, it, you saw it for a moment, but then since coming home and you watch little things, I used Tony Storm that we'll talk about later on her entrance, how it worked. It didn't need to be a big cat caboodle yeah. set was it was how the visuals on the titan trons work it was the same with house of black it didn't need a big set it's all about the visuals they did a very clever thing they were already going to lose so many seats because of the hard cam and they did lose a big set of seats which i feel like they could have not had to lose so many but that's by the by that's their choice and that lot of the rest decision but with that being said there was a big section if you then cut off another big section for the um, the entranceway, then that's another massive issue. So for me, it was perfect the size it was. And also for us, obviously we'll talk about it a bit more later on, of um, Jericho's entrance, but Jericho, their band was on top of the, the set. If you had a massive set, he wouldn't be able to get down in time. He'd have had to sing separately with his band. And it's, it's just one of those things I think for me in general, incredible i thought it was amazing and i'd like but yeah so okay so we're, we're going to talk more about the matches in a second but one thing i do want to talk about is eighty-one thousand and thirty-five attendees now there was questions about oh you know every wrestling company when they do the indoor attendance records they say this is it they're never going to announce what the paid gate was they're never going to announce wrong Tony Khan did. In the media scrum, Tony Khan announced it was a legitimate paid gate, now paid gate, of 81,035 fans. You then had comps and hospitality, so they were estimating there was actually 90,000 people in Wembley Stadium. But regardless of that, we broke and I say we because it's the UK fans that have done it, UK, European and domestic US fans that have come over. We have and broke. Huh? And we were there. Part of the 81. And, we and we were there. We have broke the all time world attendance record for a live professional wrestling event. It has beaten WrestleMania 32. And you can't count these double headers, this WrestleMania night one and WrestleMania night two, right? For a single event. We and AEW have beat it. They are the biggest live gate in history. And full kudos to All Elite Wrestling. I mean, that's just full kudos to them. Right. Okay, so we are back. We've talked all about 
the getting into the stadium. We've talked about the stadium itself. We've talked about zero hour. We've talked about the attendance. I suppose really now we do kind of need to talk about some matches. Um, yeah, why not? <laughs> you know, we we kind of need to talk about them. Uh, right. So let's kick off with zero hour because that was the first match. They bookended the pay per view start and finish. Aussie Open against Better Than You Baby for the Ring of Honor, I was going to call it the AEW, the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles. Um, it was no surprise in this one that Adam Cole and MJF walked away with the belts. And in fact, we both predicted that in the prediction league. For me, though, I think what the big surprise was, there wasn't a swerve. I was expecting something, and I know you were as well. Um, I was expecting one of them to go full-on heel to the main event. Uh, and it didn't happen. And in a way, that was quite refreshing because it was like, all right, okay, we expected this to happen. And it didn't. Tony Khan is keeping us on our toes type of thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, completely. Um, we were both constantly going, and he's going to punch him in the nuts. Or, or he's going he's gonna to jump, um, jump from the apron. Or he's going to do this. Or he's going to super kick him. Or we're going to do this. Or we're going to do that. And we were, throughout the good second half of the match, we were constantly like that. And then at one point I was thinking, oh, they're going to lose. And then they're going to screw each other afterwards. Because it got one point that Carl Fletcher was really up in the ante. And then uh, Mark Davis was up in the ante. And then they were both up in the ante. So then it was like, better than you, baby. Aren't better than you right now, baby. And it was that, for me, that moment was like, oh my Lord, they're going to lose it from being annihilated and then uh, then they they clawed it back they clawed it back so yeah ah oh, what a way to start the whole pay-per-view i know obviously that was on zero hour but it just i felt like it, the pay-per-view had already started to be fair right i don't think you can actually say the matches that were on zero hour this one in the ftw title were a pre-show they were main card matches it was basically a you know a five-hour pay-per-view um i'm with you on that and and i'm totally with you i kind of hoped and I shouldn't be saying this because I'm a ma massive fan of Adam Cole and, and, and now of the devil. I've kind of hoped during the match that Aussie Open were going to retain because for the first time in a very long time, you saw Aussie Open really dominate. I mean, they, Adam Cole and MJF made them look like gold. They were really giving them the offense. They were selling for them. The minute MJF did the kangaroo kick, I mean, that was the first of many 80,000 pops that was going on there um and it was incredible to see it wasn't it because you did you just you did get goosebumps with that point then of course the double clothesline it came to the finish um unsurprisingly ring of honor world tag team champions are now adam cole and mgf but then we had the tease you know we had the tease with the title belt we had the tease with adam cole holding the belt about to give it back. We weren't sure. And I looked at you, you looked at me. We looked at Zachariah, who was sat next to me. Kudos to that man. He's brilliant. We'll talk more about him throughout the show. Um, and the three of us, I think, kind of bonded over all elite. We just turned and went, belt shot, belt shot. He's gonna smack him with the belt. It's gonna be a belt shot. And there wasn't a belt shot. And then when they left, we all went, All right, I actually didn't want a belt shot. That worked quite well. No. I quite like that. So the winners of that match was MJF and Adam Cole, new Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions. How did that affect the Prediction League? Well, uh, very simply, um, we both got a point. So one we all. Both, 
we both went with that one. I think we had no other choice. We had to. Um, didn't actually put it in the um, in the thing. Oh, that's stupid. Um, but yes, we went with that one. Then we went to the next match, which was only announced the night before on Collision, officially. It was unofficially announced on Dynamite because that's when they recorded it. Jack Perry versus Hook for the FTW Championship. My God, how over is Hook? Well-deserved. <laughs> I'm a massive Hook av uh, advocate. The thing for me was when, so when he came out, when his music started to hit, everyone around was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, It's like, give only a year ago, would have got the same reaction. I don't know, but this mm. guy is loved. So then we all hate him anyway. And he and his scorniness, but when Jack Perry came out with a limousine, there's there was a guy next to me who didn't have much reaction, but next to him was four friends who, by God, did they have a reaction? And they, they literally started saying the W word, um, <laughs> and it was so funny because they were going and they were shouting and shouting and shouting and shouting and shouting, and I was like, he has got real, real heat from the fans he is not liked i thought he was a bit of a numpty and he's a bit scrawny legs and that lot and he's coming in this this like what's called um the limousine hearse style thing yeah, yeah. driving from the side and everyone's like whoa, whoa, whoa what's that like you can see it and then we then find out it's obviously going to be used within the match because it's obviously ftw rules but it was <laughs> anything it was a classic that was a first for, for us we had a little bit in the tag match but that was the first one of the boos and the yays for a hit. So the face of Hook punched um, punched Jack Perry, and they're going yay. And then when Jack Perry throws a punch, it's boo. It was the first time we full on heard that. But typical British chanting that. That's typical yeah. British chanting when when you do it. But I just you you guys would have just heard me just laughing out uncontrollably there because. Sam mentioned the guy that was sat to his right. Now, we were sat, if, if anybody knows Wembley, we were sat in uh, row, in section 200, uh, row 220, um, no, section 220, row 16. So right at the back, just underneath the uh, boxes. And we had, I mean, you couldn't have got better. It was a direct line to the ring. So the only thing you couldn't see were the entrances, but you could have seen this. Sam sat directly in the middle. So as you walk up the stairs, there's Sam C. He's the first person you see. As you walk around the corner, you see Sam's cheery face looking at you. You then quickly turn around and go back down the steps. Now, <laughs> next to Sam on his right was this chap. Who if, you're has... if you're listening, fella, by no means any offence, but we no, made it with love. This, this is just, uh, and you were the, you were a takeaway if you're watching this, who throughout the entire five hours didn't move. And I mean, didn't move. There was no, no twitching. There was no head moving. There was no, I'm, I, anybody would have thought this guy was dead. I mean, seriously. Yeah. He stood up no maybe four times. Yeah. There was so we knew he was alive, otherwise, we're not just taking the mic and we left. Someone still sat in Wembley Stadium, although, if you are going to see 21, um, but there was nothing. And even when the crowd's going nuts, when Jack Perry did the windscreen shot, he was just sat there like this. 
And then Adam Cole came out and won the, and, you know, went after the world title. Just went, Soraya won the women's belt. No reaction. There's Sam, there's me, there's Zach, there's the entire row down my side, the entire row down, down Sam's side, up on our feet, chanting away, whooping, peeing off the people behind us. And I did do that. And I apologize if, you're, if you were sat behind me. Um, this guy just sat down throughout the entire thing. Oh, it was hilarious. It was a takeaway on the way home. But for me, also, it was the fact that the, the polar opposite. So I obviously had that guy sat next to me, and then you had Zacharias sat next to you. And Zacharias, if you're listening to us, I have been out sure name wrong, I'm ever so sorry. But Zacharias, I'm going to uh, let's call you Zach because it's easier of less offense. But Zach, literally, fella, you were the polar opposite. Your eyes oh, at one point, I thought were going to pop out your head in one of the matches throughout the whole match we'll talk about later on but the um, stadium stampede if i saw something i'd then say it to, to you and to andy your reactions were amazing it was like it was just it was so nice to see but how polar opposites how we had someone sat next to me who had no reaction yet obviously he loved the show but had no reaction to then zach it was like Ryan, who literally had all the reaction it was fantastic and made the night for me like i like going away that's one of my biggest memories is I, I, I originally, guys, was going to be sitting on my own up in the 500-something seats. And then I luckily um, was able to sit next to Andy and we were able to go up together and spend the day together. And it was incredible. We sat in uh, section 202, uh, row 16, uh, seat, seats 18 and 19. Fully recommend that section. I'm saying that. Except for us, guys, we'd have to use those seats again next year. But where we were sat was perfect. But everyone around us was perfect. It was just oh, the atmosphere. Yeah. And I don't think I would have had such a good day, such atmosphere, such time if I was sat on my own. But then I will flip back to that. During this match, I saw people who turned up on their own and said, oh, is this, okay, are you seeing, are you, this isn't your seat, is it? It's mine. And then they became friends by the end of the show. During that match, they were talking to each other. By the end of the show, they walked out together having a laugh. And it was that beautiful moment that I watched it during this match because I was, I was paying attention to the match, but also paying attention to what's going on around me. You saw people become friends. It was lush. It was, yeah, it was, it's that love story, isn't it? And I, I would love, do you know what? It's really corny, but I'm in one of those moves today. I'd love it if anybody went together as two single people and came out in a relationship. That would be hilarious. While well, you say this, uh, there's a boy, uh, I believe his name is John and a girl called Kerry. They got engaged to each other. Um, they were up in the 500 something seats I've seen. Congratulations to you guys uh, and any other couples who got in, uh, who proposed on that day. Big kudos because that, that is a, an event that you don't expect uh, proposals, but wow, amazing. So yeah, amazing. If you're, if you're listening or watching this or anybody knows you that's listening or watching this, get in contact with us and uh, we will do something for you on the show. Um, okay, so this match obviously was a title switch you knew it was going to happen because they went through the whole retirement of the fdw title uh however there was this altercation in the match that um yeah punk's in trouble again people uh, real glass crimea river now that is in relation to an altercation that took place between cm punk and jack perry at a collision taping a few weeks ago where he wanted to use real glass punk said no and to use plexi now all seems 
all fine, doesn't it? You know, it's a bit of an altercation. I have them with Sam all the time. My benefit of me is that I can cut his Sam, his camera off and nobody can do anything about it. Um, yeah, CM Punk choked him out backstage. Jack Perry got sent home uh, straight out of the arena. He didn't see the rest of all in. He had to go and watch it on pay-per-view like everybody else. Bill Brooks then went to the ring for his match, which was against Samoa Joe. Once that was done, went back to his locker room and then he was asked to leave. So he's been left. Now, Tony Khan did reference the, the bust up in the media scrum by saying, and I quote, there was an altercation backstage prior to all in. Um, it is now being investigated. Brian Alvarez, a wrestling observer, is stating that both men have been suspended uh, and will not be a part of All Out this Sunday from Chicago. That's a bit of a pill to swallow. CM Punk apparently has had enough of AEW and wants to leave. He's been very vocal about the fact that he hates the drama. Um, and my take on that, Sam, is quite simply, it wouldn't be an all event if there wasn't a suspension for CM Punk. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's I all agree. in. He's, I mean, come on. People say, oh, you know, Punk is... Punk's only reacting. Punk is a veteran. Punk is a is meant to be a locker room leader, right? And what that says to me is that Punk can't control his own emotions. You know, Punk needed to take Jack away and wait, look, come on, kid, what's going on? Now, it could also be that Jack Perry is, is young and arrogant, and maybe he's playing up to this new Hill character a bit too much backstage, because you told me that there's been a report come out that actually no one has supported Jack Perry since that altercation took place and it's now also been rumored that jack perry has asked for his release from all elite which i think is a bit stupid because this kid has got a great future ahead of him mm. yeah it's uh, the whole situation i feel is just it i i'm glad it hasn't really marred upon um all in because all in was all out fantastic uh, excuse the pun but uh, it was like for me it's gutting the fact that that's that's happened and I don't really want us to really dwell on it too much because it then puts a bit of a mar against the whole thing. Mm. But one thing I will say about the whole Phil Brooks thing, or we'll see talk about more on news round on Thursday, is the fact that as, as someone put up on Twitter, the fact that if you look about what's happened, you've had the promo again about uh, Hangman Adam Page was a shoot. The young bucks went into CM Punk's. Um, dressing room and loads of these other things we none of us as the fans the people watching at home or in Wembley Stadium or reading on X we weren't there we do not know what exactly went on we're only hearing reports that is something we do here we do not say that this is 100% dead on truth this is reports but quite a lot of these reports are from people who are the best in the business that they're doing reports and when you read reports that people have done certain things, you know it's true. And then when you see certain things, you know it's true. And one of them is that Jack Perry has gone a bit overboard with this character, it sounds like, from real, in real life. And the same thing with Phil Brooks. And it's so sad because me and Andy were sat there next to each other, chatting away about how this match would go down not knowing what went on backstage <laughs> and if we know if we knew then what we know now 
we were even before CM Punk, or even before Joe's entrance, we were saying about how the set and how we could see what was behind the set. Well, we don't know, but that altercation could have been literally happening in inside that set air, air entrance. And we were going, oh yeah, we can see that. We can see this. It's a really funny moment of like, if we only we knew new now. Imagine if we'd just seen someone bust through the back curtain, you know, and all of a sudden from the staging area, just come out, be like stadium campede all over again. Um, yeah. Uh, but, you know, that's the occasion. More on that as we know it. And, and obviously stay tuned to social media and, and the new science. And, of course, Dave will have Dave Meltz will have something to say about it this week on Maguire on Wrestling. I'm sure. Uh, check out that podcast uh, for more information. Um, let's talk about the match, though, because this was the opener for All In, right? First match out. Samoa Joe, CM Punk. Um, I think the crowd at Wembley knew about what was going on because, by God, did CM Punk get booed out of the building. Uh, Joe was odds on favorite all the way through this match. I mean, he, the crowd loved everything that Joe did and Joe played up to it. This was the most fun. I think I've seen Samoa Joe having a ring. This took me back to impact Samoa Joe pre WWE. This took me back to ring of honor. Joe original Joe, right? It was like these two love punk, hate punk, whatever to punk. These two took the time back 20 years to Ring of Honor, and you saw it. What I didn't like about the match, though, was the Hogan references, which yeah. kind of came out of nowhere. Punk dropping the leg, the Samoa Joe doing the Hulk up. It, that didn't make sense. Now, I know, you know, I know Hogan's quite an opinionated guy and has apparently said that he sold out Wembley Stadium in 1992. You went on the card, mate. Um, but yeah, that that I didn't get that. That ruined that for me. But apart from that, this was what a way to kick off the main yeah. show of the pay-per-view. Yeah, no, I another thing I loved about that exact thing was how the reaction from that match, except for that one little segment of weirdness of the whole Hogan, the ultimate warrior shaking the ropes and stuff like that. I didn't get it. I don't get it still now, and I watch it back again and again. I still won't get why they did it. However, what I will get is that this match, wow. Like, some of the moves they did to each other was just superb. The way that Samoa Joe reacted to the crowd, and in such a British way, you can tell he's been to this in this country many times before, like p flipping up the bird, doing the, the W anchor sign, um, and all those type of things. I thought of so beautiful moments was the fact that we got that. I love the fact that he did that to the fans because he knew he would get the pop. He knew he would get that instant reaction. And we had it in the ring. We had the moment where we thought he was going to be able to do his little walk away when the punk jumped. He didn't. He did it one better. He did it outside the ring. And oh my yeah. God, we, we marked out. Obviously, where we were sat, we could see what was going on. We could also see on the screens. And we'll, we'll say this throughout the show. We tried as much as we could to watch what was going on in the ring and not what was going on the screen. But I will fully admit, that moment I watched on the screen because I, I was like, he's about, to do, he's about to do it. Yes! And like, what? What, what was also interesting was how many times that announce table got replaced for the four-hour <laughs> It was like once an hour. Hour. But... 
I mean, this was this was a, a, a slobber knocker to kick off the pay per view. Um, funnily enough, the result was as we expected. CM Punk went over. I think we both, you know, we both called that. We both said that was going to happen. So we both got a point. However, the layout of the card was interesting because straight after that was the Golden Elite versus the Bullet Club Gold. Now, they were clever in terms of entrances because they did bring Bullet Club Gold out first and, and Takeshita. So there wasn't that crossover, if you will, between Brooks and, and Omega, who we know are quite open to working with each other. But they still must have been in Gorilla. So that must have been an interesting, you know, Jack Perry's just had a fight with CM Punk. He's just choked him out. And all of a sudden you've got the elite there who were like telling Tony Khan, told you so, told you so. You know, but we went from one slobber knocker to another slobber knocker straight away. Trios match, Bullet Club Gold, uh, Jay White, Switchblade Jay White, Juice Robinson and uh, Takeshita against Kota Ibushi, Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page. I will be honest with you, not how I expected the match to go. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And I'll tell you one, I'll tell you that for me, the funniest thing about that was mine and yours reaction to each other and Zacharias. We all looked at you like, did that just happen? Was that and the fact it it was the fact it was a roll-up. Yeah. You know, it was a roll-up with the trunks. It was yeah. Perfectly done. But, you know, Kenny Omega, who is a consummate professional, when they were doing the Ken, Kenny Omega, which, yeah, we did, um, and 80,000 fans in Wembley Stadium did, you could see on his face, if you watch the pay-per-view, he's like, okay, all right. Yeah, this Thank is you. cool. Yeah, you know, the, the respect that Kenny Omega and the appreciation had towards the crowd here uh, in the UK was second to none. This was an unexpected finish. It has set up the all-out match. We know now it is going to be Kenny Omega versus uh, Takeshita. I'm all for that. I'm all in. Beautiful setup. Because now what you can do is you could do Adam Page and Kota Ibushi against Bullet Club Gold. That's another match. Yeah. Right? I'm all for that. But this did not disappoint. Switchblade got his moves in. Juice Robinson's looking incredible in the ring these days how different is he from nxt right obviously you had that run in new japan the bray wyatt tribute with the boots you had hangman adam page who i've never been the biggest fan of but really pulled it out the bag and kota abushi is kota abushi i mean what can you say about abushi but how bloody big is Takeshita? yeah i mean this guy is huge literally you don't it on tv but even where we were with the distance, you could see the size difference. That man is hedge. This is, as oh, say, yeah. he, like, bear in mind, like, like you say, Andy, his, we were not, not near. We weren't, we weren't like really, really close, but we were at a good distance. But he still felt giant. He was this big unit. Yet he went around the ring so light on his feet. And some of his moves, like, oh, yeah. And like, the other thing I pull away from this match, and I want a bigger, big kudos to them is the guns like for me you where we were we could see them always doing their little moves or doing the jumps up on the apron or pissing off like the uh, the commentary team all that 
it was fantastic seeing that because they they had their job role and they stuck to it and played up to the crowds. I saw at one point I was watching during the match, you try and watch sort of things going on. They were riling up the fans as well who were ringside, like trying to deliberately get their bodies in the way so people couldn't see what was going on in the ring. And I love I mean, that. It was proper hill, squirmy, like, chap, use a British word, chavvy tag team. It was, moment. it was almost like, you can't see, you can't see because of me. It was old school hill technique. They were an old school hill tag team. And it was. I, I love Austin and Cole. I think the gun club over the past couple of years have really stepped up. And to be honest, since Billy Gunn left them and went to the acclaimed, they've stepped out. And that's what they needed to do because they were a comedy tag team with Billy Gunn. No one took him seriously. For me, for the gun club, the turning point was, I think it was at full gear last year or double or nothing when they sent that email out or they put it, they put a note yeah. on everyone's chairs, um, which we, we covered on the show and people thought they were being legitimate idiots, you know, or, you know, I can't use the word on here, legitimate dicks, but what a way to get heat. And that has never left them since it was tremendous. So your winners of this one was Bullet Club Gold and Takeshita. Don Callis, I will give credit where credit is due to Don Callis. That man is a veteran. How he can take the abuse that the UK crowd or any crowd gives him on commentary is tremendous because I've listened back to it and he just, he's Bobby Heenan, 21st century. Yeah. Can we, so, so Section 202 especially hated him to the point where there was a family and there was two kids. One of the kids was heckling his name and doing all chants throughout the whole match. This kid did not stop. He was like, oh, I can't say them. Not, not. I was very shocked yeah, to yeah. his mouth. But some of the things he was showing, I was like, dude, if he was near Don Callis, I think Don Callis would have actually probably climbed into the crowd and gone, come on then, come on then. Because he oh, was I don't know. I don't know. It was amazing. Well, this Thursday night, when we preview all out, this is going to be one of the matches we preview to Kester versus Kenny Omega. I already have my clue of who's going to win this one. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. But the hits kept on hitting, Sam, because we went from Punk and Joe to the trios match to the World Tag Team titles. FTR defending against the Young Bucks in, quite simply, is a match of the year candidate this FTR and you could see why this had everything right close finishes almost finishes finishing maneuvers everybody doing everybody's finishing maneuver chance which we can't repeat about one certain cash wheeler and a little firearm um it was tremendous I don't even know how to I couldn't sit here and analyze it because there was so much going on. You, I've had to watch it back on pay-per-view again just to see the bits that I missed. And like you, yeah, I was trying to watch it in the ring, but this one you couldn't. You had to watch it on some of it on the screen and some of it in the ring because you were missing it. The double sharpshooter spot where you had Dax in ring putting the sharpshooter on, Cash Wheeler doing the sharpshooter on the ring apron. I yeah. mean, it was just, it was just classic we have to talk about the theme music for the for the young bucks when they came out the super kick for colt super kick party it was it was just amazing yeah amazing um, the, the thing for me with this match was i was already buzzing for it, it was for me 
where like, if we'd gone through the, it was it was on par with the Adam Cole versus MJF match. They were the two matches I was looking forward to the most. For me, sorry and uh, Adam, sorry Maxwell, but this was match of the night for me. I absolutely loved this match, and I I would rate it six stars. Like we're doing a road to five star. If I'm doing a rating, this gets six. This goes above the five. This is a six for me. I loved it. Cool. Uh, uh, just literally from start to finish, from the fact that Young Bucks aren't a heel team, but by God, just like the whole Joe situation and Punk, they were the definite heel to the to the crowd. The crowd hated them, being the fact of booing them. They came out dressed as Freddie Mercury, yet they still got a massive, massive, massive boo. And it was incredible. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think it's fair to say the crowd hated them. I think this is another one where you had the whole, let's go FTR, let's go Young Bucks, FTR, Young Bucks. I mean, I was Young Bucks. You and Zach were FTR. So I was like sat right in the middle of you two Muppets. FTR sandwich. <laughs> yeah, FTR sandwich. But the crowd were into it. And then the streamers, which was the you know, annoying thing, because where we were sat, there were streamers stuck on the screen. And it was like, I know it's bugging you all the way through the the, the show. Um, entries were not happy with that. <laughs> Yeah, but it was it was just it was incredible. But my only problem with it was where it was. So we'd already had three, you know, two barn burners already. This was the third one. It was, oh my god, I've still got another seven matches to go. How am I gonna last? Type mm -hmm. thing. And we will touch on that. It seems to be a common phrase in this show tonight, but we will touch on that in just a second. Um point-wise for the prediction league. Well, yeah, you got a point. You said FTR were going to retain. I went the Young Bucks were going to win it because I honestly thought they were going to drop it because of the Cash Wheeler situation. But Dax and Harwood, FTR won it. We've then had the heel turn. Yep. They went for the handshake. The Young Bucks just walked out and you saw the sell on the, the face of FTR. In my mind, and I don't know what you think, FTR are the greatest tag team in professional wrestling today. Correct. Completely agree. They are the living legends. They are the seven-star FTR. And you say about that whole situation there, you should have, they, you thought, oh, it's going to be Code of Honor. They're going to be standing there. Yeah. Nope. The Young Bucks walk away. They get a massive boo. And all the... Cash and Dax are wrestlers, and they've, they've always said they're top guys. They are. They're not. They're not. They're about fists, not flips. But and the whole character wrestling. Some people are. They kill. They kill it off. They don't like the whole character wrestling. Some people do. But there was a moment that Dax actually. I wasn't sure. Was it character? Or was it actually, actually broken hearted? He looked broken hearted when they walked away on the big screen. I did look, and I was like. Oh, you just want to give him a hug yeah. <laughs> because he, he literally looks like so damn high. He's like, Cash yeah. looked pissed off compared to Dax, actually looks sad. But it was such a brilliant way of doing that heel turn because the crowd were already booing them. And then, and yes, obviously they were cheering them as well, but they were booing them quite a lot. And they were doing the boo yay, boo yay with the punches, like we're saying, that a very British crowd to do. But when they walked away, and when FTR got that cheer afterwards, the whole place went electric. But this match was, for me, because it was a six star, it did set, it did pour gasoline on a very big fire that was already burning. So I feel like that barn 
was being so burnt down that night, and it mm. did. Hence why the throat is like this, and like yours is like yours, and the tide is still is hanging around. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely shattered. The bar was raised in this tag match. Um, so it's going to be interesting where they go with this now. You mentioned Cash looking pissed off. I actually think Cash was pissed off the entire match because of some of those chants. And the one thing you can't do is stop a crowd sharing their their opinion. And Soraya said it best where you don't get a crowd like a British crowd and you don't get a crowd like a British crowd because we're uncensored. We'll tell you exactly what we think. If we like you, we like you. If we don't like you, we'll tell you. And if we think you're a W, we'll tell you that as well. And we did throughout the show. So, yeah, maybe, you know, he might have wished his passport had been revoked and not travelled over because that was a hard night for Cash, for Cash Wheeler. But I will say this, never seen the Young Bucks live. I've never seen FTR live either. Same. What a way to see their first match. My God, that was just incredible. Um, So, one point for Sam, no points for me. We then went... The Stadium Stampede, Blackpool Combat Club, Mike Santana and Ortiz against the best friends, Orange Cassidy and Penta and, and Penta. Now, this was a low light. If we were doing ups and downs, like what culture? Yeah. The whole paper would be an up. This would be a down. And I'll tell you the reason why. Um, It's because... You couldn't keep up with the action. Yeah. And it might come across better on pay-per-view. And I think this is the one match I haven't seen yet on, on the pay-per-view. Um, but it was just too much. You couldn't. They were in the they were in the the blow, the blow, the block right next to us at one point. And I mean right next to us, right? Couldn't see anything. And that was Cesaro and Eddie Kingston. They went to the loading bay. The guy in front of us, I think, worked for Wembley because he said to me, they're off to the loading bay now. They go down this corridor, turn left and turn right. So he must have worked for Wembley. Um, couldn't see it. The action all over the ringside area, you couldn't really see it. They were trying to do that. They were tapping us into the pay-per-view feed. So we had, I think at one point, three, you know, three windows open on the screen with different action. But how could you, how could you focus on it? And that's the downside of a stadium stampede match and a multi-man match like this because you can't give everybody justice because you can't, you know, you can't suddenly have Penta L Zero and Eddie Kingston, for example, going into the backstage area and stop wrestling until they know the cameras are coming back on them and then suddenly go back into the fight mode again. Yeah. Like, that was a big thing for me was that we were, where we were sat, we already had the Mercedes Monet moment and we'll talk to about her later on a bit more. But yeah. she was in the crowd. She was where we were in 202. In 201, 201 is the Royal Box. And that's yeah. where like the Knight family were, um, where Mercedes Monet was, where there were some British wrestlers were. And then you had this moment where in that Royal Box, fair play to them, they knew it was going to be safe because they're around other wrestlers. But Eddie Kingston and, and Claudio Cross De Niro come out. However, even us who were sat right next to it didn't know that was going on until a few minutes later. I deliberately looked up on the big screen to see if that was going on. And if that was a live feed for um, what the pay-per-view saw, then, yeah. which I don't think it was, but I'm not too sure, we, they, 
they were moments where they were pummeling each other, doing these moves. That's not seen unless you were right there, right in that that section, being able to see it. And I, there was a guy who'd about maybe two or three rows below me. He went, well, that's not going to get on pay-per-view. And I thought to myself, that's true. Is that going to get on pay-per-view? Are we at home going to be able to watch that moment? And I like, I can't wait to watch the pay-per-view back for that reason. And that stadium stampede made me want, to, I want to watch it anyway, but made me want to watch for the camera viewing. Every other match is because of the wrestling. That was the, the wrestling, but also the camera viewing. And I felt, like you say, if we're going to go hot culture and we go ups and downs, this is a down. It doesn't get anything below the, like, like a, than a three because some of the uh, 3.5 probably, because of the moves in it were fantastic. There were f- fantastic moments. Like you had the whole Orange Cassidy getting glasses and putting them into a bucket and smashing the hell out of them with tape around his, his fists or the fact of people being thrown through tables or being thrown through ladders. You have the moment where... Um, Willie Uta was uh, wielding a, a bat and just swinging around and hit anyone who came near. Or you go to the moment where we didn't see it until the sound of the music hits and we thought there was a glitch or there was a, oh, whoopsie, someone played the music wrong. The Penta went out, had obviously been beat out, beaten out senseless, and then he came back as Penta Azur, who's the hit, almost like the heel version of um, Penta, and he comes in in this red gear, and we're like, whoa, what's going on here? And then he gets Mike, Mike Santana up the ladder that then has uh, the ladder breaks, but then Alex, I can't remember his last name, but he... Oh, Abraham. Yeah, he grabs hold of the ladder so Penta can go up and do this amazing sunset flip onto two tables. Like, all these moments are happening, and fantastic, yeah. And then you have the last moment where the match has ended, the pin's been done, and you have John Moxley leaning against this table... Blooded to hell. You've also got this moment, the same moment is you've got Eddie Kingston leaning against him. Blooded to hell. And he just flips up the bird to John's face to end up thing. And that's an image of fantasticness. However, ever there's other moments where we're a bit like, hmm. But one thing mm. I will give this, and I thought it was fantastic, especially where we were sat, we could see it going on. The, um, the, the what's it called? The Blackpool Combat Club coming out of one of the, the, like, the ground things to come through the crowd and everyone just swarmed to go through. The security let them to be so close. And the, it, if anything, it gave more power to John, to Claudio, to um, to Wheeler, to Ortiz, to Mike Santana. They all got that moment to be able to react to the crowd and really show their heel and that. Oh, I thought that was that fantastic. Was, that was apparently an instruction to Wembley to let them go, let the crowd do what they want in that match because it it had to. That's what you get when you watch the BCC. I loved the the thing that got me about the BCC when they did their entrance, and and I've seen the entrance on pay-per-view, is they all were channeling Gunther. So they all wore the black trench coats, just like Gunther wears the red trench coat. They all wore the black trench coats with BCC. There were some good match in it, uh, some good moments in it. I'm not saying it was a bad match. It was a good match. But I think mm. Mike on, on Maguire said it's a smoz match or something to that effect. Yeah. These multi-man smoz matches are difficult to call because you can't keep up with them. And you struggle when you're watching it on pay-per-view. But you, I think you have a different appreciation on pay-per-view because you go, I'm only going to see what the camera shows me anyway. I'm not in control of it. When you're in the crowd live, you want to see everything that's happening and you can't. And 
that was my only down about this thing was the, was the stadium stampede match. They would have been better to have done a five on five elimination Survivor Series style matchup or a version of War Games if they wanted yeah. to, or something which was an elimination tag match where they come out at various sessions. That might have worked better, could still been hardcore, but they did it. Yeah. It was at a stadium. Do I want to see it next year? No, I hope they don't do Stadium Stampede again. I think it was because it was the, the first. I think it was they were like, we can, we will, we will. I think next year there will be another massive give it match, be it a cage match or be it something or even being a ladder match. So people saying, please, next year when you come next year on the 25th of August, please can we have a ladder match? Ladder matches are cool. And I completely agree. Um, and we'll talk about that one later on. But for this match, I felt at points it was a cluster flush. And like as you say about Mike, he said about it being a, a schmores fest. And it was, at points you're a bit like, oh, I'm missing this because I'm wanting to watch that. I, 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 who do you pick things? So I'm sure I missed, missed things about John Moxley because I was so busy watching the moments with Eddie Kingston. Or I'm sure I missed bits about Wheelie Utah because I wanted to watch the things about Penta. It's that factor of, for me, a lot of, pretty much actually, all 10 members of this match I wanted to watch. And I think to myself, just imagine if you did have that one extra person in um, with Blackpool Combat Club and also you had Ray Phoenix. That's two extra people who would have been involved in that match. I think it then would have come across the flush. And it's, it's that factor of, I hope we don't see it again for that reason. And if we do, I hope on ringside, which won't happen. <laughs> I've forgotten all the way through this, and it's my and I created the segment to do the road to five star about rating the matches. This this to me was a two and a half, not okay. because of the action, but because of what we've talked about. Right, I think that took away from it because you were sat there going, "Well, what's happening in the other area? What's happening in the other area?" But that was my negative. That was my only negative. Because next up, now bear in mind, we are this is our fifth match on the main show. We've already had two others, so we're seven matches into the card. Fatal four-way time. Women's Championship, Soraya, uh, Karushida, Tony Storm, and Britt Baker, DMD, for the Women's Championship. You can see footage of this on Road Agents. You've mentioned the Night, the night Agents, the Night Family. Soraya coming out to Queen's We Will Rock You. The entire crowd going absolutely insane for her. The look on her face when you watch the entrance back on pay-per-view, she's emotional. She's screaming, it's my house. Everybody's doing that. You know, the arms going up in unison, singing, we will rock you. That gave you goosebumps, goosebumps. Yeah. And it was seeing the Knight family with Soraya. That was a moment that was 10 years coming. And she referenced it in the media scrum by WWE, not allowing them to do that. They were scrubbed out of existence. She could only reference them during the movie promotion. That was a travesty because Ricky Knight and Soraya um, and Zach Zodiac and Ricky Knight and Ricky Knight Jr. They are pinnacle foundations of British wrestling. And they needed that not rub because they don't they didn't need a rub, but they needed that respect and that they deserved that respect. And full credit 
Tony Khan and AEW for giving them that respect and for getting Soraya Senior involved in the match. But we'll talk about that in a second. So Soraya is in the ring already. Um, the Green Outcast outfit with Union Jack on the breasts, um, which was a nice touch. Tony Storm comes out to the UK National Anthem, which I thought instantly was going to give her natural heel heat. It didn't. The crowd was singing it with very big emphasis on God Save the King. Uh, you know, I was expecting them to do God Save the Queen. I know she, you know, Elizabeth passed last year, but Tony Storm. But oh no, this UK crowd, we sung the national anthem as it should be done. But when it got to the King bit, by God, did we all emphasize King on Tony Storm? Yeah. And I think the one thing I thought was very clever, and a lot of people have taken it as one of the takeaways from it, is the fact that well, those people said beforehand we should be getting a national anthem. At WrestleMania, they do um, the American national anthem. We should have got yeah. the British national anthem. But that, I say, fair play to Tony for putting it in somehow. He put it as his entrance. But it added to her character because where she's going deluded, she could think that she's the queen. She's the queen, the Sunset Boulevard queen. All of this stuff. The she's from like she's from Australia and all these different things like Queensland and that. And I thought so, so, so clever. But it added to her character. And then you had so I get what you say about the whole. You think that's going to get heat? No. If anything, it gave her like just perfectness and I, I like i loved mm. it because it made things later on even more so and we'll talk about that in a minute but about how that made it more poignant what went on does that make sense yeah i mean it was clever how he did it tony khan not only for that reason but she's australian australia's part of the british commonwealth the queen is still the, the king and yeah. the queen are still the figureheads of australia so actually she's got every right to come out to the uk national anthem and it was really clever. I remember looking at you and you looking at me going, what the hell? And then obviously, because we can't see it, all we could see is Tony Storm name up on the, on the Tron. Um, Zach, who's American, um, kind of looked over at me and went, what? Am I missing something here? And then when she came out, that was just, yeah, a moment of, of pure gold by Tony Khan Creative. But the funny thing was also when the music started hitting, on the Titantrons, for us, as in round the ring, it didn't have Tony Storm say on it yet. It was still a black screen. And for a second, I was thinking, God, it's Jamie Hayter. They're bringing out Jamie Hayter. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I was like, they're yeah. going to do it. Like, she may not be wrestling, but she's coming out. And no, it wasn't. It was it was Tony Storm. And I, watching back videos now, for me, it's the fact of how the image of her with the whole Sunset Boulevard character going, where she's losing craziness, or she's not losing her mind, so she's going crazy. And the fact of on her entranceway, on the tunnel, there's different pictures of her. And then you come out and it's the old school cinema boards with names yeah. up in light. Amazing. And that's another going back to what we said previously about the set it didn't need to be massive because it's all about the visuals, all about how your mind, when you watch that, it makes it look so much bigger than it is, as in the staging, because of that visual of you're like, whoa, you're optical illusion. And then we had some other people come out that for me made it even more amazing. 
So the next one out was Britt Baker, DMD. I think there was a bit of a technical cock up here or a timing issue because normally Britt's out on the ramp and she does the whole DMD bit. Either she was too slow walking up the entranceway or Justin Roberts was a bit trigger happy because that happened while she was walking down the tunnel. Um, the reaction for Britt, I thought was good. I, it, it was never going to match Soraya. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Um, and it didn't match Tony Storm, but it was still good. It was still a respectful pop. However, I think going back to your point about Jamie Hayter, I think people were disappointed that they didn't bring Jamie out with Brit. You know, they're still aligned. They've not split. So you could have had Brit and, and Jamie walking down the aisle together. Even if Jamie had gone to the back afterwards, like we saw Luchasaurus do it could, that could have worked. And I think that would have given Jamie her moment and given the crowd their moment as well of seeing Jamie Hayter. Um, you know, the match was back and forth. We Hikaru Shida, yeah. Respectful Japanese performer, um, didn't really have the crowd appreciation behind it, didn't really get much of a pop, was pretty much left out of this match. And it goes back to what I said to you last week on the preview show. You could have done with not having Tony Storm drop the title. Yeah. It could have been a triple threat between Soraya, Tony Storm, and Britt Baker. And I don't think he would have missed anything with Sheeda not being in the match. And that's not a knock on Sheeda. I just think she's had a bit of a rough time with it, to be honest, with the pandemic. And now, because this match was all about Soraya. It was all about Soraya's oh, redemption. Yeah. It was all about the culmination of Soraya's journey in her house, in her home. But then it was all about the breakup of the outcasts. And it was about Tony Storm knocking Soraya, who really did oversell the punch quite a lot that that, that that moment i because obviously we're we're watching it either by a screen or by a, a thing i was watching it actually just happen i wasn't watching on the screen i'm looking forward to watching that back but from every report i've seen online is that the fact that you see her get punched on screen and it legitimately looks like a punch. Yeah. It looks like a punch when you watch it happen. So, yeah. Yeah. She sold it beautifully. And then it was when she's trying to get Tony Storm and she's pretty much jumping over the guardrail and he got Ricky, both Ricky's trying to pull her back. I mean, it was, it was ham and eggs up, but it was brilliant. And to see Soraya on the night do it. You then had the obvious, the, the, the look of shock on Soraya's face in the ring where she's going, my mum, and goes after Tony Storm. Ruby Soho comes out to try and defuse the situation. She gets smacked by Tony Storm. She walks off. You know, obviously you've got Ruby Soho versus Chris Satlander at All Out for the TBS title. I do wonder, though, um, very quickly, Soraya wins the match, obviously new women's champion. If this is the... the the dissolution of the outcasts could we be running towards a unification match for the women's championship in the tbs title yeah that's what i think it's going to be i think it's going to down the line we're going to have that we're going to have a unification keep it to full gear in i think it's in november yeah, yeah. but i yeah. keep it i don't do it straight away do it give it some time um i do agree with what a lot of people say online though Let's give Soraya that belt and let her have it till Wembley next year. And it's her versus Jamie. Have it that, in fact, I won it last year. 
I'm going to keep it this year. In that year, have a go, keep a face or have a heel, whatever. But then next year at Wembley, we have Jamie Hayter versus Soraya. It's an all British affair. Oh, I love it. You, you tagline it, it's the Battle of Britain. Yeah, absolutely. Southampton, Southampton versus Norwich. But that's a premiership game if there ever was one. Um, of course, the end result, obviously, as we said, is Soraya walking out as the women's champion um, with the Knight family. And the look of emotion on all of their faces, especially Zach. I mean, Zach is the proud younger brother, right? Yeah. Um, absolutely tremendous. If you go back to a rating, this is five. Yeah, I'd agree. For the intro, for the Tony Storm interaction, for the ending. The one person I felt sorry for in this match, because you take Sheila out of the occasion, was Britt. Britt was totally not featured. She got a couple of good offense moves in, but it was all about Soraya and Tony Storm. This was about the, the, the dissolution of the outcasts. So um, this match for me gets five star. Do you know who doesn't get five star? The fans who went off for a loo break. Oh. It was disgusting. Me and Andy sat there literally livid. Like not even hundreds, thousands of people just went. As soon as, as soon as um, the last entrance came out, it was like, cool, we've seen entrances, we're going to go off and get our drinks off on of empty ladders. No, it felt like a match. They didn't do this as much on other matches. This was a match they did at the most, and it was disgusting to see. And I'm, I was disappointed in my, our fellow men and women. I'm like, how dare you? Like, these are four amazing talents, and you're just walking off out. I wish I'd got that on video, to be honest. But I mean, it was it was shocking. But hey, women's wrestling is is still got a stigma to overcome, and, and it doesn't need it. When you got four of the best in that ring competing in front of 80,000 fans and for Soraya as well. I mean, the... <laughs> All right, next up, um, again, another barn burner. We now go to the coffin match. Sting, Darby Allen, Swerve Strickland, and Christian Cage. And the one thing that I want to touch on before this, the fireflies. The fireflies came out. And by God, did they come out. I mean, that was just... Goosebumps upon goosebumps upon goosebumps moment. Yeah. And it was, it for me, it was, so you guys, if you watched at home, you weren't in the stadium. It happened while there was the promo going on on the screen of Sting and um, Darby Allen. It, Sting doing a very Jack Ripper style-esque character um, doing talking to Wembley Stadium. We couldn't really hear that. So that line was kind of lost when he was talking to Wembley Stadium. Um I feel sorry for Sting, bless him. But us holding our fireflies for Bray or for, for Wyndham, should I say, I thought was beautiful. Such a beautiful touch. And we did it a few times, other layer carrying on. But yeah, it was amazing. It's super amazing. Well, just while you're talking about it, I want to bring this up. And this is one of the images that we took. I'm hoping I've got the right one here. That we took 
um, from Wembley. Look at that. Look at that. And, and I can tell you, fans, that directly opposite us. And we're in, on the picture, it looks like it was bright outside. It was not. It was far from it. It was quite dark at that point. Like that's just how a good old iPhone, other phones are available. Um, but you could see um, the, the the darkness has already come. So yeah, it was amazing. I mean, the unfortunate thing is, is the fact that from what I've heard, and again, I haven't seen it on the pay per view yet. This was playing the promo, so you didn't see the fireflies um, on pay per view as it was. You did, I think you would get to see it in the House of Black entrance because you would have seen aspects of it. Um, but yeah, this was just amazing. I know you were saying to me, it's too early, they jumped the gun, it should be half past eight. I didn't care. It was the right moment. I think whoever started the fireflies putting the putting the cameras up at that point picked the right moment. And again, I think people were looking at you going, What what were we doing? You know, putting the phones up with the fire with the, the torch on. It was just a poignant thing to see. And again, it added something special. And if it is only for the fans that were in Wembley at that point, then thank you, Bray. Thank you, Wyndham. That was for yeah. you, mate. Yeah, it wasn't for us as the fans. It was for you, you absolute legend. We'll talk about more you, more about you on another show. But another thing Absolutely. about that, though, you you saying about like how people may have seen and going, what are they doing? There was people behind us, and I looked back at one point when we were doing it, and they were a bit like, "Okay." So I'm wondering like, how much they were fans of it or stuff like that. Yeah. How much was it they were given free tickets? And they're like, "Yeah, why not? Let's be part of history." <laughs> what made me laugh, and and I I didn't say this to you, but you raised a comment about is Do you think there's anybody from WWE here, like you know the partners, like Ripley, because Buddy Buddy Matthews was here. She wasn't. She was on a house show in in the states. The box behind us to one to the left to the right was the endeavor box yeah <laughs> which had the logo on it and i was like oh please send somebody just could you imagine like turning your head and seeing mammy sat <laughs> in that corporate box or somebody on the phone going right they've just done this triple h you need to do this next week on monday night raw i was just you know incredible don't really want to spend too much time on this one because it was it was okay it wasn't amazing christian cage put on another brilliant performance swerve's entrance was was quite intriguing but what really got me was stinger they came out to his rock wcw thing from the late 90s which was metallica i believe but i can't remember what the song was but i mean that was unique yeah no i completely agree the uh... The other thing for me about this match was we or we said this to each other and said to Zachary and other people around, was this going to be Sting's last match? Where, where were you going to see the burial of Sting? What was going on? Blah, blah, blah. Very, very clever how they did it. Mm. Um, I just think for me, this got 3.54. Because it was a three. Yeah, it it got points that I thought was amazing moves. There was other points I felt a bit like a bit lackluster for it, and it's 
the the thing that that let me down with this match unfortunately was nick wayne and luchasaurus so you know luchasaurus comes down nick wayne comes running out with the skateboard does the weakest shot even from our vantage point the weakest shot onto the back of luchasaurus with that skateboard um which which didn't do it i mean i turned around to zach i think you were in the middle of marking out over something so i i turned to zach and just went i kind of really want to see luchasaurus get on the skateboard now and skate up the ramp out of the i heard you say that i was i could i was marking out for the fact that uh they were back they were just throwing prince and i can't pronounce his last name um Anna. Anna. he he had they done something to him and i was like oh that's amazing but i heard yeah. her they went yeah, we were both like, yeah, no. Um, all right, so with this one in terms of the predictions, because I haven't been given the results out either for the prediction league, you can tell I'm really in it. Um, we both went with Sting Darby Allen, which means we both got a point. Now, at this point, I don't know about you, I am absolutely exhausted. Voice is going, I'm tired, and I think 80,000 fans in Wembley Stadium were tired because if there was one criticism about the card, the layout was you you were burnt out, right? Yeah. I can understand why they laid it out because they literally put 10 classics on a four-hour pay-per-view, but you were you were burnt out. Because then we had this Jericho versus Osprey, the aerial assassin. Um Jericho on stage performing Fozzy. Maybe wants to use a tape track in the future. Voice wasn't that strong to sing Judas. But, um, but before we go any further, we'll talk, before we go on about this match, I want to talk about um, a charity called Culture City and a yes. big, big shout out to them. Um, fans, I'll happily openly say to you guys, I'm autistic. Um, because of that, I can have sensory issues where if something gets a bit too much, I need to have my like, a moment that I need to focus on. At this point, I felt like the sound of the pyros that was suddenly going off here, left, right and centre, I can fully admit to uh, young Andy, you can tell, tell everyone, I jumped out of my skin many a times because I wasn't expecting the pyros to go off. Um, it would just be very random in the entrance. Be like, someone would be halfway down the ring, uh, the ramp, and not even do something, and then boom. Um, because of that, they, Culture City had these bags where they had um, noise cancelling headphones, headphones uh, light sensors, glasses, and also fidget, like fidget things. And for me, and having the ability to be able to put the headphones on and being able to have the enjoyment of the pyros, the music, lower setting, meant the world to me because I didn't have to leave the stadium. I was able to wear them and enjoy it. And for me, I, I said on a tweet, my quote right now is, I have no voice, I have a heart full of memories. And that is because of Culture City. They thank you, Culture City. And I know I'm not the only person who was at that day in that day who's able to say thank you. Mm. They were tremendous, and, and full credit to them. They, yeah, they were brilliant. And actually, to see you calm down a bit watching it was was good. But I also want to give a nod to the to the lady who was sat behind us in the corporate box because um, you put the headphones on. She actually tapped you on the shoulder and asked if you were okay. Uh, yeah. And it. 
you know, so a big shout out to uh, to Culture Tech and to the lady who I can't, I don't know her name, um, but but thank you. But it was a great for you to be able to see the rest of it. I kind of wish I'd had those headphones on um, because 80,000 fans singing Judas was great. Jericho can't sing anymore. It was very off key, wasn't very good. Um, so we'll skip over that and we'll go to the match. Jericho versus Osprey. Man, this was everything you wanted it to be. Again, this is a five-star classic. Yeah, absolutely. This was instant five-star classic. And uh, even if I didn't get it, souls. <laughs> yeah. But the other thing but, about this though is, I feel this deserved to even be on right at the end of the show or earlier on because I felt points the crowd were burnt out, and you could tell from there wasn't as many chance. It was funny this because I think they booked themselves into a corner because I get what you're saying. I could see this being the SummerSlam 92 main event between the Brit and the Canadian. You know, Brett the Hitman Hart, British Bulldog, Chris Jericho, Will Ospreay. You could have done it like that. And that would have been a bit of a tongue in cheek jab to, to WWE because it's 31 years since SummerSlam. And I think they had the star power to do it you were booked in the corner because you had the MJF Adam Cole. It had to be the main event, but this, this could have closed the show. And I think the crowd would have been happy. Do you know what I mean? Um, Will Ospreay has said that all in has changed his life. His contract with new Japan is up in six months. He's now looking for a second, seven figure contract, wherever that may be. I personally think uh, all elite would be foolish not to sign Will Ospreay to an exclusive contract. Um, and put the title on him yeah but what what was really funny and what i've seen and i don't think we we didn't know this because we didn't see this will osprey came out with the iwgp united kingdom championship and he was referred to as the iwgp uk champion not the us so that is actually recognized by new japan yeah good <laughs> tremendous Love it. Brilliant. Fantastic. Also, the finish of this one. Also, though, when we were talking about his entrance, his gear, he had written on, uh, I think it was the wing or the sleeve of it, a bit like Cody Rhodes did on his back. He did it with different people, and he did. He said certain names like Red Pro, Attack, mm -hmm. um, and one of them was Kapow. Big shout out to Kapow. He was it was it was funny because that was meant to be every promotion he's worked for, but I think he missed out UPW because I didn't see it on the picture. And South Sorry, Coast Wrestling. <laughs> and South Coast. Well, yeah, okay. Um, right. So um the finish came with Osprey getting the win and a full-on heel turn by Chris Jericho. And and that came because he basically just cut Sammy Guevara off, who was just sat at ringside doing nothing. I half expected Sammy Guevara to walk out on Jericho or turn on Jericho for this to kind of be that combination of the JAS storyline, which would then lead into a match at All Out. I think you are going to see Jericho versus Guevara at All Out this Sunday. Um, but it was nicely done. It was a great match. And it was one of those matches where you couldn't take your eyes off the action. And one that I'm looking forward to watching again on pay-per-view, it's a five-star classic for me and this, that, this is the third five-star match on this card so Agreed. far right um that led us up to the next match which was 
the trios championship and i'm going to be brutally honest with you here this was when i took a break i went to the loo <laughs> you did you were, you were sat there going when am i going to go when am i going to go when am i going to go i don't want to go i need to go but i don't want to go because i don't want to miss any of the action if only the woman in the row had done the same thing yep if it wasn't for the loo visit it was food she put away so much food in that show a fair place but she's only a small little thing <laughs> Right, so that has now brought us to the main event of the evening. Maxwell Jacob Friedman, Adam Cole, AEW World Championship. This was the bookend. Uh, this was the match that I think everybody was looking forward to. Entrances galore. Devil coming out on a throne a la Triple H, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, and you told me there was some poor ringman pushing the car. I thought it was on a, a, a buggy. No, it was a, a, a ringman pushing it. But on top of that, um, there was, we didn't see it in the crowd but uh, from where we were, but other people did. And obviously then on TV, there were women uh, aligning the ramp and they were wearing very much um, the Alexa Bliss, Sasha Banks and Charlotte Flair-esque stuff from that WrestleMania. Um, it was very, like, you, you could tell it was a little tip of the hat slash also, yeah, I can do it if you can. Um, but they did that. Those women weren't just actresses. They weren't just dancers. They were British female wrestlers. And there was like sensation uh, and session moth. Um, there was, oh, there was um, Lizzie. Um, I can't remember last her name, but Lizzie was there. Oh, there was so many. It was so nice to see Mercedes Blaze was there. And being able to see these women have that moment. Oh, and the, also with that, go back to the um, contract signing with Miro and Powerhouse Hobbs. And you had the male British wrestlers like Simon Miller, OJMO, um, Leon Slater, and to name but a few who were stood there being the security. I loved that. They didn't just use like actors or people like that or dancers or anything like that. They actually used British wrestlers because they can say, they stood in the ring or they can say they were part of entrance for all in at Wembley. Amazing. They, they can just say they were all in for AEW, really. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. But this was the main event. And this to me was a Guardians of the Galaxy scenario. And you're looking at me going, what the hell are you on about? So I'll tell you the reason why. Um, when Guardians of the Galaxy came out, it was an unknown nobody knew about it no one really cared about it but it became one of the most popular marvel franchises in the in the in the marvel movie thing so that point when they announced guardians of the galaxy 2 everybody put it up on this pedestal it was going to be the best thing since sliced bread it was going to completely destroy what guardians was we made it bigger than what it actually was and i feel personally that this match was on that same pedestal we made it bigger than what it was. We were expecting Adam Cole to walk out as the AEW champion. We were expecting a swerve to take place. Only a month ago, they'd done what I consider to be one of the best title matches on Dynamite 
for the elim- in the eliminator for him to to do it with the five more minutes. They've obviously done all the comedic sketches with um, better than you, baby, leading up to this. So actually, what I found was I was all in on this match. I was all invested in it, mm-hmm. and it didn't live up to the hype. And I actually turned around to you and said, "This isn't as good as that match on Dynamite." For oh, me, I there was agreed. There was far too much comedy in it for a start. There was too much playing up to the crowd. There was too much taking up the t-shirts and everything. And I'm not to say it was a bad match because it really wasn't. It was a great match, but it wasn't anywhere near what they had on Dynamite. I wanted these two to go in and put on a clinic. And I'm very pleased they did the, the way they covered the finish because the double clothesline to the double pin can we have five more minutes? No, we're going to carry on until we go. I thought the Roderick Strong bit was, yes, it's part of storyline, but it wasn't needed. And that yeah. took away from the match. Um, ultimately, I, I, <laughs> I'm going to get heat now. I don't think the best person won. I think it should have been an Adam Cole title switch. But And the reason I'm saying that is because I think we said it in the car on the way back, which might not have been picked up on the video, was... His journey from potentially not being able to compete in the business again to the concussion, the appearance at Forbidden Door, the return earlier this year, that promo with MJF when he came back. This, to me, was the culmination of that story, and we didn't get it. So I don't know now when are they going to be able to pull the trigger on Adam Cole and get the same level of interest that they would have got if they'd done it here. Yeah. And that's my concern. And I would agree because I'm on, on the car journey home. I was very much in a way disagreeing with you. I was like, oh no, now I think it's fine. Now thinking back and looking back on bits, I'm actually like, in retrospect, yeah. Oh, have they lost their thunder with it? Have they lost the only way now I feel they can pick up that said flame from what we've had the fire burning would be to turn him monster hill, like full on go full on heel. That's the only way of resurrecting the hope. Does that make sense? Which I don't know how they would do. I mean, whenever you turn him, whoever turns is going to go heel. Yeah, I mean, that's that's obvious. Whoever turns on each other. Um, to, it, it felt a bit WrestleMania 17 main yeah. event for me. Absolutely. It, no, it I agree. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And I know I'm going to come across and people, if you don't agree with me, Pop it in the comments, right? Or let us know on social down the bottom TST Wrestling Pod. I want to know because I'm, what I'm reading is people saying oh, it was a cracking match. It was a classic. It was good, but it wasn't the best. It wasn't as good as what MJF and Adam Cole can deliver. And I think we talked about a minute ago Jericho Osprey being main event. If they hadn't have done the storyline the way they've done it, I think I would have preferred to have seen Jericho Osprey in the main event that replay of of SummerSlam rather than this, because it was just, uh, it wasn't what I expected. And I don't know if that's a negative on my part. It just wasn't what I expected. And I I thought, yeah, all right, come on. We need to do, um, we needed Adam Cole MJF from Dynamite a month ago. We needed them to, and I thought we were going to get it at one point, especially at the end when Cole threw the, the Ring of Honor titles out the way. I thought we were going to get it. The bits when, and it was predictable when he had the title belt and he was going to smack him across the head with it and he threw it out the ring. When MJF went to get the diamond ring and was going to 
clout them on the head and then put it back in the trunks. But that one of those should have happened, I mm. think. Yeah. Or or we should have had a decisive winner. I don't know. Um or... did I not enjoy it? Did did I did I enjoy it? Yes. But would I want to go back in and say in a, in a year's time that was the best match of all in? No. Because I don't I think, think it was. Yeah, no. For me, I think what they should have done to solidify the whole him not turning heel on um, MJ was he should have clouted the bow round Roderick Strong's head, not especially had um, the um, the kingdom on the ramp. They could have then gone to pick him up and carried him out. It would have been a way to do that. Or even if you are going to have it that Adam Cole is going to turn heel at some point, it adds to that. The thing we think, oh, he's full on, he's full on face with um, MJF. Like they are face tag team. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And actually, no, he's actually in cahoots with uh, Roger Strong, in cahoots with the, the Kingdom. They didn't do that, obviously. They, that wasn't where they were going with it. But how I feel from the match. I wanted to come out going, this is the match of the night. This is why it was main event. It wasn't. It was the main event, but it wasn't the match of the night. But it was very, very well done in certain points. But then other points, I felt the comedy kind of put a bit of a black mark against it. Comedy to start off with, yes. And then you get to a point where there's a turning point, be it a massive move or be it a massive turn or something like that. But there was no real, oh, my God, this is no longer the comedy of two friends. This is a full-on, and to quote JR, but a slobber knocker. It didn't feel, feel at any point that we got a massive slobber knocker. We had that with Will Ospreay versus Jericho, or we had that with FTR versus Young Bucks. We didn't get that with this match. It wasn't a slobber knocker. It was a, a slobber, and at some point a knocker, but they weren't ever together. <laughs> I, I will be looking forward to watching it back on pay-per-view. Um, and maybe if I watch it again on pay-per-view with, with a different set of eyes it might be different um, but I, think, I also think as well by this point whatever match was in the main event of All In wouldn't have got a good reaction from me because of the fact I was totally and utterly burnt out by the time mm -hmm. I got there I was exhausted and, I, and you were and I think 80,000 fans were as well and I was getting frustrated with having to keep standing up um, but because people wanted to go to the loo. And I was definitely frustrated with two drunk guys that were sat in front of us. But we were oh. going about that. Um, uh, that was a bugbear for you. Um, but ultimately, you know, it was a four-star match from what we got. But All In was quite simply a five-star pay-per-view. And I will say this. <laughs> we didn't get a point. We both called it. So, Prediction League, Sam. Oh, okay. So, <clears throat> when we started Prediction League, when we went into All In, I was on seven and Sam was on five. I got three. Sam got five. Which means we have drawn going into All Out in Payback. Could all change. I'm on 10. Sam's on 10. Long way to go this year. Well done. You called it. There were some surprises in that, though. There were some ones that i didn't expect to happen like golden elite uh it's like the bullet club gold and um Takeshita winning that or best friends in orange cassidy winning stadium stampede didn't call that 
Um, and we obviously definitely didn't call Adam Cole losing the, the world. You know, what would you call All In? Say again, sorry. Overall, what would you rate All In? Overall, five star for me. And that's, but that's not just for the pay-per-view, that's for the whole atmosphere, the whole day. Um, but the actual pay-per-view itself gets a five star as well because of the simple factor of how well it was done. Yes, we say about the structure, and yes, at points you felt like that barn was so burnt that it was by the end of the, the it was the main event. Was it just a crisp of ash on the floor? But for me, that it's a five star for me. So I'm going to give you a challenge here. I'm going to ask you to go back and watch all in again this time on pay, on the pay per view broadcast, and then I'll, I'll do it as well. And then I want us to re-score the overall five star event because I want to know if completely agree. Uh, uh, you know, pigeonholed because we were there and the whole atmosphere. Does it stand as a pay-per-view? So let's do that. That's it for this week. Uh, apologies, we've had technical issues throughout this show, so I can only apologise for some of the sound you may have heard. Um, and I'm hoping that something's worked. Otherwise, yeah, we're in trouble. Um, so... <laughs> If this is work, you've listened to the whole show. We will be back later this week with a normal style TSC where we'll be looking at news round uh, and two event centers for payback and for all out. Until then, though, that's it. We will see you at the matches. So long, everybody.